Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing, and man. That's remarkable. You know, Alex, I don't think of us as being much of a breaking news podcast in the sense that we don't break news. We don't really often talk about breaking news. We're not in your feeds right after the biggest news drops. But today I want that to change a little bit because mm-hmm. I want to break some news to the listeners. Sources within the Oakland Athletics organization have led the Tipping Pitches podcast to believe that uh, Elon Musk will be purchasing the Oakland Athletics imminently. Our long national nightmare is over. Uh, First things first, I want you to let that sink in. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in. And second, I want to get your statement as the consigliere to former, soon-to-be former owner, John J. Fisher. Well, as 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 he has said to me personally, he's given his heart and soul to this organization and to the city of Oakland. So that's and- why he has no heart left. <laughs> Zing. Got him. And, and you know, he, he wants to thank the people of Oakland for giving him so much money over the last 20 years. Mm, mm-hmm. It meant a lot. Right. To his net worth and his Forbes position. Right, exactly. The amount of trees he was able to cut down. <laughs> I love that he's the deforestation guy. I know. Somehow, like it kind of goes under the radar. Like he's the he's, he's the, the gap guy. gap guy. Right. But also made a huge profit in deforestation. Do you think that because Elon Musk is now buying the Oakland Athletics, which we can confirm with our sources within right. the Oakland Athletics organization? Yeah. John J. Fisher himself. <laughs> Do you think that he's going to get into the deforestation game? You know, like kind of pick up where JJF left off. JJ. <laughs> it's certainly possible, but he's spending so much time courting Saudi wealth right now that I just don't know that he has room in his schedule. Elon is, not JJF. Elon, yes. Right. But do you think that he could kind of merge, like do a merger between Twitter and the A's? <laughs> <laughs> two birds one stone just take them both out <laughs> no I mean they, there's so much potential there the first social media baseball team right the jersey patch sells itself right exactly he's posting twitter polls about who which player to sign this takes a uh, rising tide raises all boats to a new yeah. level hey, what man. is what is the opposite of that phrase a sh- shrinking tide beaches all boats I like it I like it too thanks yeah you know, I as speaking as a uh, hurting A's fan right now, mm-hmm. I think it'd be hilarious. Like, I, I think that... Do you? It, I, I've, I mean, I think I might not if there was more to lose. You What's know? the maximum amount of time that it would be funny for? Like a day? That's the worst part about the Elon experience is that right, he gets, finds a way to make anything that is situationally funny extremely unfunny. Right, exactly. Like as soon as he's out there doing his stupid like like robot dance moves, he's doing like on a, the pitcher's a mound. dank meme about the Coliseum. Right, exactly. Beer all of a sudden costs four dollars and twenty cents. Like we're like, okay, I'm, right. I could get behind. that. Yeah, I could get behind that too. He has a chance to be a man of the people. <laughs> a Vox Populi, Vox Day. That's right, man. <laughs> you know, again, I feel like there's very little for him to ruin at at this point. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I really value diversity of thought, and I think he would mm. he would bring a different perspective to baseball, an outsider's perspective. We need more people in baseball who don't know what around the horn means. <laughs> do you think um do you think trading for every player who didn't get the vaccine is a better or worse team building strategy than trading all your guys before they hit arbitration. That's a, it's a great team building strategy. I think it's a pretty good, serious. I think that, have you seen that roster? Exactly. That, that roster is elite. Yeah. That's a world series contender. I mean, it's a little moot now, right? Because I feel like a lot of the guys who staked their claim early, all of a sudden had playoff aspirations and were like, well, 
You mean like the anti-vax guys? Right, exactly. Or they signed extensions with the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> that too. <laughs> or Texas Rangers. I I love it for you. I'm really happy. You know, the, your long national nightmare is over. Our long national nightmare is over. And now we have unlimited content. Shout out to Batting Around, who had it first. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk, owner of the Oakland Athletics. Uh, last question. Is the Kelly Green jersey not cool anymore? <laughs> that really... You know, my hope is that... Because there was a lot of speculation. So it'd be like if George W. Bush came into like a press conference wearing a members-only jacket. <laughs> be like, wait, were we wrong the whole time? There was a lot of speculation about who was on the actual jersey. Yeah, definitely no one. Or and it was a custom jersey. My hope, honestly, is that it was a Cole Irvin jersey so that he immediately experiences what it's like. <laughs> can you buy a Cole Irvin jersey? I, I think you can get a, you can make a custom jersey. <laughs> so you think Elon is buying a custom Cole Irvin jersey? I feel like it's probably like Matt Chapman. <laughs> you know, like a guy who hasn't been on the team for two years. Right, like he got it at a 40% discount. On Do we team. know if Dallas Braden and Elon Musk follow each other on Twitter? Because there's a possibility that it's a Dallas Braden A's jersey. There's a non-zero chance that they do follow each other. That's my theory. Dallas Braden, A's jersey. Dallas Braden, conspicuously in our replies Mm -hmm. when I tweeted the photo of Elon wearing the the A's jersey. So it's all all bubbling up. Yep, and it's all all coming up Tesla. (laughs) The good thing is the A's already blow it up so often that like nothing really changes. Exactly. I can't wait for, uh, I was going to make a good joke, but I can't name an A's pitcher now. To catch on fire when he's on the mound. Okay, time to do (laughs) the rest of the podcast. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about one team not selling, one team in the AL West not changing hands as the Oakland A's have. We're going to talk about a very important company going bankrupt, allegedly. Then we're going to do some listener questions at the end. But before we do that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley, and you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, before we dive all the way in this week, a big shout out to our new patrons. Those new patrons this week are Louise and Josh. Speaking of the Patreon, the the support of the Patreon has allowed us to do something very fun. And that is purchase a neon sign. To put in our studio as we record. I wonder if people can tell that the energy in here is up because of the neon light behind Alex. Now we're now we're real podcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, the neon sign looks great. Please check our Twitter. And a quick shout out, a quick thank you to the folks over at Athlete Logos who were great to work with in acquiring said neon sign. It's not actually neon. It's, it's LED and plastic, but it looks damn good. Mm-hmm. It looks damn good. And you know what? If it falls, it won't crack and poison my dog while she's sleeping, like a neon sign would. <laughs> the bar is low, but it's still there. Well, the bar the bar is low, but also there's a, a a non-zero chance that it could fall based on the fact that Alex and I took 30 minutes to hang this sign before recording this podcast. Right, because the, the holes were slightly off, and so uh, at this point, none of the holes are, are exactly right, and you, that's fine. We don't have carpentry skills, you know? You have a drill. That's yeah. about as far as it goes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't even own one. So, uh, okay. Alex, Artie Moreno. Yes. He's just not doing it. He can't go through with it. Gotta love him. He can't bring himself to give up his most prized possession. The Los Angeles, sorry, actually, his most prized possession, the potential to buy the real estate surrounding the Los Angeles Angels Stadium and mm-hmm. develop it. <laughs> He's not selling the Angels. After all this time, this is the second team that was rumored to say to be up for sale that will not sell after the Washington Nationals were taken off of the market by the Learners just a couple weeks ago. What happened? In your estimation, why isn't Artie Moreno selling the Angels? Do you believe Rob Manfred when he says that Artie Moreno just loves the game too much? Well, He's married to the game, and he did not want to get a divorce. I I want to I, w- I want to give Artie the benefit of the doubt here. Mm-hmm. What they were going through was an exploratory process, right? right? To see if there were potential parties interested in per- purchasing the Los Angeles Angels, a a multi billion dollar 
sports franchise. Mm-hmm. It was an exploratory process. And what they found is that Artie Moreno is still the best owner for the Los Angeles Angels. There was no guarantee he was going to sell, right? He came back and said, no, I'm still the best guy for this. <laughs> He's recommitting. Mm-hmm. They're renewing their vows. You know, they were on, they were on the rocks. Exactly. And now they're, they're taking a little vacation to Hawaii. Yeah. He's, do a little he's waterfall back. to stand by a waterfall and renew their vows exactly. together. Exactly. Private, he's, beautiful moment. He's back in for round two Artie, two Moreno, you know? <laughs> I, when this news came out, a lot of people were saying, you know, a lot of people were intimating that maybe this means that the sale prices for these teams was not quite exactly what people were expecting, was not the overwhelming offers that you might have seen. Just a few years ago, for example. And that was quickly proven wrong by Sam Blum of The Athletic, who reported that there were at least five groups that had put in bids. I don't know if they like formally put in bids or they suggested that they would put in a bid of over two and a half billion dollars, which would be the largest, the which would be the highest price that a MLB franchise ever sold for. The current record is Steve Cohen purchasing the Mets for a valuation of 2.4 billion. He already owned part of the team, so he didn't actually pay. All of that in cash, but this the the offers that the at least five groups were in on for the Angels was was valuing the franchise at two point five billion dollars. Um, obviously, the Angels are not the most valuable franchise, and so that take that oh maybe the the franchise value of baseball teams has cooled off a little bit in the last couple of years doesn't really doesn't really hold up. Notably, the Phoenix Suns just sold a few weeks ago for a valuation of around $4 billion to, I believe, billionaire insurance man. Not sure on that last part, whether he's an insurance man. Name, name is Matt Ishbia. Probably didn't make his money in a fun way for everybody else except for himself. Um, so this, the value of franchises right now is not really the story here. The story is that Artie Moreno wants to hold on to the Angels. And it's up to us and the other people who care about this sort of thing to figure out why. And so... I wonder what you think about that. I mean, I know that they said that Artie just feels like he's still the best man for the job and he really wants to turn this around and he wants to win a World Series. He bought the team just a couple of years or like the year after they won their mm-hmm. World Series, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, so so what do you think? I have a couple of theories, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say. I think the simple answer, which is, you know, only one aspect of this, is that he recognizes that the line when it comes to team valuations goes up every year mm-hmm. without fail, right? He could sell now, he could cash out, or he could do so in five years or 10 years and make even more money. And there may be some credibility to the fact that he's not getting as much as he wanted, right? As much as he saw the franchise as being valued, which is not to say that they are undervalued in the terms of the the market. But it's possible he may have said, I can make another one, $200 million off of this. I think it's also worth noting, and we're going to talk about this in, in a little bit, there's a lot up in the air as it comes to MLB's streams of revenue, um, especially regarding local TV broadcast rights. And... If any investors are skittish around that, around certain streams of income, he may very well say, you know what, I'm going to wait until the dust settles, and then I can come back to them and say, look, our streams of revenue are as strong as they've ever been, if not stronger, right? And maybe that's, you know, by that point, MLB has set up its own profitable, like, you know, blackout-free streaming model or something like that. I... I, I'm wondering your perspective because I do think it's it's a combination of a lot of these factors and probably things that we don't even know about. The first thing that I thought of when I saw that Artie Moreno was not selling the Angels was that he was going to be able to make a deal to develop the area around Angel Stadium. Mm-hmm. The deal that was scuttlebutted by the fact that the mayor of Anaheim was wrapped up in an anti-corruption investigation by the FBI. Um, and so that undid the deal, which people had a lot of opposition to because it was sort of behind, done behind closed doors when it was supposed to be put up for a public bid to anybody who wanted to develop this area around Angel Stadium. My guess is he feels with a level of certainty that he will still be involved in that somehow, or the Angels will be able to 
benefit from that. Even if he doesn't, even if he or the Angels or whatever don't actually end up owning this area around Angel Stadium, he thinks that it will add to the franchise value of the Angels. That was the first thing. The second thing is, I kind of feel like MLB expansion is coming in the next five years because why would you sell your team if in three years they're going to expand Major League Baseball and the expansion fee that those teams have to pay nets each owner a $50 million check straight Mm -hmm. from the expansion group. And so you wait until after they expand because then you cash that check and then you sell the team after that or you start exploring selling the team after that. Now, that's like a little bit more hairy. That's a little bit more of a risk because you don't know what expansion does to the value of each individual franchise. I mean, the laws of macroeconomics would tell you that the franchise value should drop for a few years because the league won't be making significantly more revenue just from adding those two markets. But the scarcity of the product has now become a little less. You have two more franchises than how are these franchises quite as valuable as they were when there was only 30. Um, obviously, in a, in a rigged market, such as baseball, that is not necessarily going to hold true. Like, There's a chance that they expand and the franchise values of everybody go up still <laughs> because it's like, oh, now we've proven after one year that there are two more viable markets for Major League Baseball and that means that it's even more valuable to own a team because they might still be adding more markets and there might still be a potential for exorbitant exorbitant revenue growth um nationwide i i think you're right i think you're smart to point out that we are at sort of like the end of something right now with how baseball teams make money because cable money though still flowing in at the same rate that it was flowing in i think MLB has started to rein in the expectations for what cable money are going to make for people, um, are going to make for for individual teams. I mean, all of these teams have relatively good cable deals, but there is like legitimate anxiety, seemingly, from Rob and from the owners about what that looks like in the future. And so this blackout free streaming, I, I mean, there's a chance that that could be incredibly lucrative in the same way that MLB Advanced Media set up MLB TV and then sold that platform as a as being at the vanguard of what live streaming could be like or what a what a digital streaming platform could be like the technology for that if MLB is the first major sports league to figure out how to how to set up a business model and a tech platform that streams their games with no blackouts and customers prove that they're willing to pay more money for that well then all of the other leagues might want to get involved in that too and they might want to buy a stake in that sort of technology so that's one element to it. And then also, what if these franchise values go through the roof because of sports betting? Like more than they already have. That's that's like flush cash immediately because of all of the deals that Major League Baseball teams are doing with these sports books and online gambling companies and that sort of thing. But if it becomes a sort of thing where it's like solidified as part of the regular year-over-year revenue of major league baseball teams reliably the way that tv streaming the way that the way that cable rights are the way that streaming is the way that advertising and the way that ticket sales are if there's like another head of that monster and it's sports betting or if it's a sports book being in the parking lot next to the stadium if you're Artie moreno or if you're the learners you kind of want to wait to get a piece of that before you sell you know you don't want to sell apple before they invent the iphone so it's like to me, it's a combination of factors. None of those factors are the interest in baseball teams is going down for investors. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think that both owners and investors and Rob Manfred recognize that teams are a good investment now and for the long term. As you mentioned, I, I, the floodgates are probably about to open when it comes to the money that sports betting is going to bring in. And I, I don't know why every owner wouldn't want to have a piece of that. The the only the only thing I can think of, and and maybe my small, not billionaire brain simply can't understand this. Yeah, but you have the billionaire mindset, right? I mean, and I that's what that's what that's attracts what a person has, like JJ has right? instilled has instilled in me. Yeah, right. um, Artie Moreno is seventy six years old. 
like just cash out, dude. You kind of you did what you needed to do. Do you know if Artie Moreno has like a like like any kids that he has like a positive relationship with that he would want to pass this franchise on to, or do you think he just wants to like get some extra cash before he dies? I think he just wants the, the cash. I, he has kids, but I'm not sure that they have interest in running a baseball team. Do you think he would donate the Angels to the Republican National Convention? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to say is he could sell the team and just start a dark money fund, you know, and elect. Do you think he doesn't have a dark money fund already? <laughs> yeah, but imagine what $2.4 billion would do to that. Speaking of dark money funds, there was a good story in Sports Illustrated this past week by Mark DeLuke, who dove deeper into the Giants and their dark money and Charles B. Johnson's dark money uh, campaigns and super PACs to fund far-right Republican candidates. Uh, he donated almost $4 million of dark money in in the 20, 2021 and 2022 election cycles. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but it could be $40 million, You know, This is what I'm saying, Artie. Not that I'm in, in, you know, encouraging you to wield your unearned influence mm-hmm. over our, our political system. But if it benefits the, the Angels fans, then. <laughs> right. Hey, the influence is already there. The last piece of this, honestly, is that I, I kind of feel like everybody is worried that we're about to go into a five-year-long recession. Right. And so what's a better asset to hold to sink your, your investment losses, your financial losses into than a sports team? Yeah. As we know from the... ProPublica report last year or two years ago at this point, every sports owner, every billionaire sports owner just pretends like their baseball team loses hundreds of millions mm-hmm. of dollars every year to the IRS. Yeah, it's great. And it's like, well, Artie Moreno's like, well, if I can't, if my money that's tied up in the S&P 500 is going down, then I'm just going to sink that into the Los Angeles Angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who needs the Cayman Islands when you have a baseball team? Exactly. Major League Baseball is just the Cayman Islands of sports <laughs> leagues. I love it. I love it. Um, speaking of uh, losses to the tune of millions and millions and millions of dollars, Sinclair Broadcasting, mm-hmm. the broadcasting conglomerate that owns Bally Sports, formerly Fox Sports Regional. This obviously we this we talked about this a lot on the show when this happened, but Fox Sports, local Fox Sports was packaged together and sold to Sinclair Broadcasting, rebranded to Bally Sports, and all of the local cable channels that used to be Fox Sports South Florida, Fox Sports Ohio, Fox Sports wherever the fuck, are now Bally Sports. Bally Sports Florida or Bally Sports Ohio or whatever it might be. And that company, Sinclair Broadcasting, is now headed for bankruptcy. I don't believe that they have officially filed for bankruptcy yet, but it was reported in Bloomberg last Bloomberg last week that they are having some money troubles. This is a big shit show, a really big shit show, and I don't know where MLB goes from here. I don't know what their move is. Is it to say to Bally Sports, oh, if you go bankrupt, you have to sell all of these rights back somewhere else? Who wants to buy, you know, 10 local cable networks rights to stream major league baseball games because they're not the the marquee markets that valley sports owns like they're not they don't own the mets or the yankees or the dodgers or any of these other the phillies like they don't that those are not the the channels that they purchased and so number one this doesn't mean that Streaming baseball games lost Sinclair all of this money. I think that they had a lot of financial problems before they made this last-ditch effort to rebrand Fox Sports Regional into Bally Sports and try to save their company. But I kind of don't know what happens from here. And it it's a sort of shining example of the fact that the the fact that like wider economic factors can have such a drastic impact on Major League Baseball because of how corporate all of these corporations are for lack of a better phrase um they don't like these these organizations like these teams don't sustainably market the idea of baseball they just take money wherever they can get it from financial solvency of the company giving them money be damned yeah there's a lot to this story and you know i think we should talk about it more with folks who have a better grasp of what it means when a company goes bankrupt because I 
I read a sentence like the restructuring plan favored by many creditors and the company would see the largest lenders becoming owners, turning much of its debt into equity through a chapter 11 process. And my eyes glazed over. Right. So like you're wearing an Enron hat, bro. You're supposed to know this stuff. <laughs> I, well, I, I pay attention when the company fails. Yeah, exactly. Isn't chapter 11? That's bankruptcy. Yes, that's like that bankruptcy. filing bankruptcy with the U.S. Yes. government. Right. I mean, so basically what they're saying, right, is the people who they're in debt to would just become owners of, of, the of the company. And as I understand it, they would then turn around and try and sell it. Um, it it's worth noting that so it's not Sinclair itself that's going bankrupt. It's their subsidiary Diamond Sports Group, which is what operates Bally. Again. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't even... I tried. I tried to let you get through that, but I just... I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, but, like, it's not Tipping Pitches that's going bankrupt. It's Diamond Rodriguez Investments. Yes, exactly. Which is the subsidiary of Tipping Pitches that purchases... Right neon signs and hardware for recording the podcast. Right, it operates our construction Right, arm. exactly. Um, it builds studios for various independent podcasters across Brooklyn. But you're right that like the implications of this could be really wide-reaching because we know how, frankly, important this money is to baseball teams. It brings them... It brings the league more than $2 billion a, a year, as Craig Edwards, who used to write for Fangraphs, has done uh, wonderful research on. And we also know that anytime a, a stream of revenue for Major League Baseball is interrupted, that gets brought up as it relates to payrolls, as it relates to ticket prices, um, as it relates to the split of revenue sharing between ownership and players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right now, right now they're on the hook for about $2 billion. There's a, there's like a, $600 million payment that's that's coming up next month and then the rest of that to be paid out, I guess, later this year. This is diamond whatever. Correct. Yes. I diamond, lost all of those words. Diamond Industry Capital Fund. <laughs> DICF, right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I love those guys. Um, I mean, presumably, like, MLB will get their money one way or the other, right? Or they'll tear up these contracts and sell them to right. somebody so, else. Right, so that's the other thing, right? It's like, it could disrupt a revenue stream or it could accelerate... <laughs> all of the teams who wanted to renegotiate their local right, cable deals anyway. The, yes, exactly. Um, God damn it. Fucking Rob strikes again. Yeah, I know. If MLB makes more money out of this somehow, God. Yeah. But, but again, this is going to be a long, kind of drawn-out process. And... I would be willing to go to the bank with the idea that some owners somewhere are going to use this as a reason why payroll is a little lower this year or why minor league baseball players actually can't get as big of a cut as they thought they were going to get because now each team has 60 million fewer dollars each year. And, and Daniel Epstein over in Baseball Prospectus did a really good write-up of just kind of the, the ripple effects that something like this would would have. And he also has a has a great point up top about how somewhat coincidentally over the last uh, couple years, Sinclair has spent roughly, I think, $2 billion on stock buybacks. <laughs> Heard of those? <laughs> you know those things that give executives big payouts right before <sighs> a company goes under? Man. Man. <laughs> That's dope. Yep. They stocked buybacked Major League Baseball. Literally Major League Baseball. It's better than fucking doing it to airline consumers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right? Like, it's better than... I, I don't know. I I am sure that this is just Sinclair not wanting to be in the live sports streaming game anymore. And so they purposely tanked that arm of the company so that they could fold it, file for bankruptcy for it, pawn it off to the people who own the debt and write it off as a loss for the rest of the company, which is making fucking insane amounts of money on like local news channels Mm -hmm. to like warp the minds of 57 year old men and women in middle America. 
not even middle America in like fucking Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. You know, like Sinclair is also the company, right, that owns all of the regional right. hundreds of hundreds of regional news channels as well, not yeah. just regional sports channels. Right. They were the one a, a few years ago, pre-Zombie Deadspin did a did a great story about how like a hundred news channels across the country had their anchors reading word for word the same script about how they are committed to like fair and and unbiased and mm. uh, uh, journalism, you know, that's for the people, not beholden to right. corporations. Mm. You know what that reminds me of? What? Big nineteen eighty four energy, mm-hmm. very Orwellian. Yeah, you know, it's uh, Big Brother. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Animal Farm, <laughs> Fahrenheit four fifty one. <laughs> Keep going. Come on, we yeah. can do it. It reminds me of uh, Brave New World. <laughs> Great guess. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine it's a hundred news anchors across the United States and they're like, so we beat on <laughs> boats against the current <laughs> born bags ceaselessly into the 11 p.m. news slot. <laughs> Anything else to say on Sinclair Broadcasting? No. I Do mean- you think the CEO will come on this podcast and teach us how to file Title 11 bankruptcy for? Diamond Rodriguez investments. Mm-hmm. Right. How to commit stock buybacks to to how do we stock buyback the Patreon? I, I think we need to figure out where we're pivoting first. Mm. Right. Like are we sure that Patreon's not gonna go out of business, by the way? I think they ran their CEO out because he was a clown. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, that's that's good, right? He they ran him out because he's a clown. Yeah. It's good, but also like it's how Hundreds of thousands of people make a living now. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, it's like how people pay for healthcare a la carte. Mm-hmm. The, the, I think the last thing I want to say on the Sinclair thing is the, the claim here is that they woke up yesterday and realized more people are cutting the cord than ever. And digital streaming is the future. And they just weren't prepared, right? They just, their business model was just not set up to succeed in this environment. They weren't ready for it. And it's worth noting that's bullshit, right? (laughs) Like, we have seen this coming for a decade. Sinclair, they they made this purchase in 2019, Mm -hmm. just over three years ago. Famously, a time when no one was talking about cord cutting. Right. Famously, no one on this podcast even. No here, no guests that we've had on in the last few weeks. Here's what happened. The oral history of Sinclair Broadcasting having one of their wings go bankrupt. Okay. One of their subsidiaries go bankrupt. They were going to stay away from cable, you know, cord cutting. They were scared. They were going to they were going to stay out. They weren't weren't going to make any big splashes in the sports world. And then the CEO of Sinclair Sinclair Broadcasting, fill in name here. What's his name? Google it. Come on. I'm vamping now. You're Googling the, C- the CEO of Sinclair Chris, Broadcasting. Chris Ripley. Chris Ripley. That's a made-up name. <laughs> Chris Ripley. By the way, I remembered Alex. God damn it. Yes. I just remembered what I was going to cold open this podcast with that was not baseball-related wow. at all. <laughs> and it's perfect for this segment. It's perfect for this segment. I was going to open this podcast by asking people if they knew that Vin Diesel's real name is Mark Sinclair. <laughs> A fact that we discovered last night <laughs> whilst inexplicably talking for like 45 minutes about the Fast and Furious franchise yeah. with our friend group and me being like Vin Diesel definitely not his real not name his right real that's name, not right? his real yeah. name I thought maybe that Vin Vincent was like his first name and Diesel was just like his last name started with a D and he was like it'd be cooler if it was Diesel right. but his name is Mark Sinclair Mark Sinclair, Mark Sinclair. fucking financial analyst motherfucker <laughs> fucking CEO of Sinclair Broadcasting yeah. <laughs> motherfucker that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's what reminded me of it. God, I feel so much. A weight has been lifted off <laughs> know, my shoulder for hours. Listeners I've been trying know to he's think. Been just pacing. I've been trying like, to think what I wanted to open this podcast talking about that wasn't baseball related because mm-hmm. it's deep, deep into the off season. Okay, back to Chris Ripley. Yep. Chris Ripley. I know. The CEO of Sinclair Broadcasting, Chris Ripley. You know what he was doing? 2019. He was firing up the old tipping pitches. 2019 state of labor in baseball Mm -hmm. and he heard a man wiser than anyone in the world named michael bauman say 
that streaming is bullshit and that cord cutting is a myth and we should go back to cable. Mm -hmm. And you know what he thought? In the same way that Rasputin was whispering in the ear of the czars (laughs) in Russia, Chris Ripley thought that Michael Bauman was a voice for the people. Mm -hmm. And he thought that everybody was going to cycle all the way back to cable. And so you know what he did? He bought Fox Sports Regional. (laughs) Who among us, right? Who among us has not listened to the wise counsel of Michael Bauman (laughs) and spent billions of dollars to create Valley Sports? Okay? So we are intimately threaded into this story. And I would like to say to Chris Ripley, who clearly, as I've demonstrated, listens to this podcast, if he would like to come on and discuss the stock buybacks or any other element of this story, he is more than welcome. The Zoom is open. Or he can come into the studio here. We can get him a third little share over there. He yeah. can observe the beauty of our, our new sign. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we got here. <laughs> that being said, let's take a quick break and do some listener questions when we get back. Alex, we have time for three listener questions. These three are all from the Slack. That is a perk of being in the Slack, is that it's much more likely that we will see your listener questions, that we will respond to your listener questions. As a reminder, you can be added to the Slack by signing up for any of the tiers of our Patreon, patreon.com slash tipping pitches. First question comes from Alexis. Would y'all ever go watch your favorite team, the Elon Musk-owned Oakland Athletics, for you? The hedge fund king owned New York Mets for me play all 162 games Alexis says I only know one person who has attended all 162 games first of all yeah. who is that person what? <laughs> you say only like that's a low number of are people they to know. a manager in major league baseball <laughs> <laughs> like GMs don't even watch 162 no. games you know um what say you? Would you watch the A's play 162 games? <laughs> no. Would you watch the A's play like 50 games in person? Because the the question is, go and watch right. the team. So right. you're with in person, the team yes. for every game. I mean, so the premise of this question, I'm assuming that I'm I don't being paid to, to, to do this, that I, I have no work obligations or I mean, your work obligation is this podcast. Well, right, exactly. So there's this podcast is paying me to go to 162 A's games. Well, right now it's paying you, but you're not going to any A's games. <laughs> That's true. So. <laughs> What's the difference? I like I'm not trying to get hung up on Are you trying to say that you can't live off your $500,000 salary that you get from this podcast? Is uh, that what you're saying? Some leftist you are. Yes, exactly. That's <laughs> why I'm advocating for the stock buybacks. <laughs> Any update on whether or not you won the Alex Rodriguez contest? No update. No. The contest is over. Have the winners been announced? Some shady dealings going on there. Nasty stuff. All right. Nasty I'm, I'm, I'm going to investigate and, and I'll get back to you. Okay. Um, Next week. If, if one was going to do this. Right. Because I think that like there's a world in which, yeah, that's pretty fun. Hey, you take the summer off. Go travel with your favorite baseball team. Sure. It sounds exhausting and I personally wouldn't do it. But. I could do like half, like half, half the year, you know? Like every home game or like half the home games and half the away games? All the, I all feel the away like games. It, an element of this question is that I feel like not enough people are acknowledging that half the games are not at home. Right. And so like you're. Like you have to travel. Yeah. And you're not going to get on the comp. You're not going to get on the team plane. Right. So well, you're flying fucking so coach. This is what I'm saying. Like it's tip, tipping pitches is buying my plane tickets, buying my meal ticket. Am I, Once do again. I have to. How much money do you need, dog? Do I have to like... You can't buy a plane ticket with the 500K that you make from this podcast. Is this like a supersize me thing where I also have to like eat all my meals at the ballpark too? Like that's going to be so many garlic fries. (laughs) We could make a really good documentary if we did this. Yeah. Just your (laughs) mounting delusion of having to watch 162 (laughs) A's games. (laughs) One man's descent into madness. Bro, you could use Elon's jet to get from game to game. That's true. I do know where it is this very second. <laughs> Don't say that. We're going to get this podcast is going to be banned from Twitter if you say that. Um, 
The answer to this question is no way, dog. Mm-hmm. No way. No way. Yeah. If you said, if the question was, could you watch 162 Mets games on TV in one year? The answer is yes, but like barely. Yeah. You know, like we are crazy about baseball. I would say we're 93rd percentile of real life baseball. Like we watch the games and enjoy the games, but I still like go to dinner (laughs) (laughs) or like I still go see my parents, Uh you know, and I don't watch the Mets while we're doing other things. Right. You're like, you're missing weddings at this point. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're, you're missing births. Like you're, you're like missing work. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you'd have to take like a full on sabbatical. Right. I mean, you wouldn't because you're getting half a million dollars That's, a year from this podcast. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, I'm over here just working on a humble. I know. You're, we're, we've got you at wage. like an 850 minimum wage. But I log it as 200 hours to edit the podcast, so I make it all back in fake hours. Um, yeah, no, I could not do this, nor would I want to, nor would I think it's fun. I There's very few places on earth I enjoy more, I enjoy being at more than a baseball stadium, but 162 times in such a compressed time frame is too many times. Yeah. I See, I think following a team on the road could be cool. Yeah, for like you- a month. <laughs> Well, because you have built-in breaks, right? Like, you, you're off when they play homestands. You get to see mm. all the stadiums uh, around baseball, so you're also not eating the same food. You know, you're not going back to the same sausage stand every time you go to City Field or whatever, which is usually what you and I end up doing when we go to City Field. Um, so, like, I feel like I would need to rope a handful of friends in to do it with me. Otherwise, it wouldn't be very enjoyable. But again, if the stars align, right? So I'm being paid copious amounts of money to do this. I don't have any obligations for work. I have friends. <laughs> you sound so certain about that, right? <laughs> um, do you have friends? <laughs> Prove it. Well, name five friends that you have. I mean, this would be the what I'm staking that friendship on. I like what I like your idea that it would be more fun to just do 81 games, all of their road games. And then the next year, then then you could go to however many. Right. You're free. You're free. You're free to do whatever you want. <laughs> the The real trouble is that you would have to fly every time. Yeah. Because teams do not team team scheduling no longer has any bearing on actually the distance between places. Like obviously, if you're an East Coast team, oftentimes you'll do like your whole California away stand at the same time, or you'll do like all of Texas at the same time. But those are big ass places. Like you can't really drive. If the A's, if the Mets are playing the Angels on Tuesday and the A's on Thursday, <laughs> that's kind of annoying. <laughs> this is really annoying. It's actually really annoying. And then they're like going back and playing the Padres on Friday night. Like that sucks. Like I'm not doing that. I'm not driving that. So you'd have to fly. So I I don't think I'm not I'm not built for it. I'm not built for it. Um I think it would make for interesting podcasting. I mean, it'd be great content. Yeah, but I don't think we can do it. Right. Like, I'm sorry to my body, but this is incredible content, you know? Okay, next question. Sam, who claims to be the chair of the Lars Newt Bar Defense Committee. Hmm. I've yet to see paperwork on that. I don't but... feel like Lars Newt Bar needs that much defense. I feel like people are relatively high on him. What former player's harebrained entrepreneurial scheme Real or y'all can create. Would you accept as tipping pitches sponsors? I want to say I I read this first and my brain processed about forty percent of the words. So I got what players hair scheme could sponsor the pod. And I was like, longtime listeners know. Oh yeah, open oh, yeah. invite to Blind Barber, which has a Bryce Harper line of hair products. Do we know for sure that they still sell that? I don't know. I used it. It was good. It was a good product. Wow. Wow. How much are they paying you? $500,000. That's how you're surviving on that $850 minimum wage. (laughs) Something that we have never done that we should have done is go to Blind Barber together. Yes, that's true. I did go there once. It sucked. Don't go. Did you get your hair cut there? 
No, I no, I went to like the oh, bar, you went, I went to, the, to the like the, the, the bar part of the barber. How did it suck? Say more. It like, was how many was a bunch of like nineteen like sweaty nineteen year olds with fake IDs with fake IDs like wow blind at- barber exposed <laughs> serious allegations from Alex Baisley on the Tipping Pitches podcast that blind barber <laughs> accepts fake IDs. This is all parody. Alex never went to Blind Barber, nor no. can he confirm nor deny the age of the sweaty blank-year-olds. However, I will say, if you go to blindbarber.com right now, whose face is on the homepage? Whose face? Three t- two-time? Two-time? Three-time NL MVP? Two-time NL MVP Bryce Harper. That's right. That's who. He's still got that collection, man. Can you buy me that? Yeah, I'll get you the 90-proof the pomade. <laughs> 90 proof, like it has alcohol in it? How how much do these things run you for? Like, how much is a bottle of shampoo? Looks like it's about 18 bucks for 12 ounces. It's kind of a lot. It's kind of steep. Yeah. But if it makes me look like Bryce Harper. (laughs) Which is the guarantee. That is the blind barber guarantee. (laughs) And that they'll serve you if you're under 21, I guess. (laughs) It's so funny that you went there to buy alcohol. Not to get your haircut. Aren't the haircuts like 80 bucks? I prob- Looking at the products here on the website? Yes, probably. Can we talk about haircut costs now? Sure. Inflation's getting me. Yeah. I feel like as guys, we don't have a lot of room to complain about haircut costs. I'm doing it for... I'm doing like, it. For, our haircut's like up from $23 to $27. My haircut's up from $30 to $40. Wow. Wow. But the thing is, I have too much anxiety to try a new place. Mm. I need to go back to my same people. I know. Because these are routines, and I base my life around right. routines. The, the Eastern European men who blast house music and serve hard liquor when you walk in the door. Right. That's exactly the people that I want cutting my hair. Yeah, absolutely. I trust them with my fucking life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time I go in there, they're complaining about New York City traffic cops. Every time. Base. The guy's like, he's like, every time I come in here, I have to run back outside and yell at a traffic cop and say, I park here every day. <laughs> Welcome, brother. <laughs> like, let's, they they are down with the cause. Okay, all right. So we would we would let blind barber so onto the pod. But to answer what the actual question was, right? What former players' hair-brained entrepreneurial scheme would you accept as tipping pitches sponsors? I mean, A Rod Corp. Obviously, mm-hmm. we would let A Rod take us public with a spec. Yeah, I don't know what we would do. Right. <laughs> what we would provide? I don't know. Yeah. We could be a podcast consulting company, a public, publicly traded podcast consulting company. Now we're coming up with our own hair-brained schemes? Well, the hair-brained entrepreneurial scheme is A-Rod Corp. Is A-Rod's, right, yeah. Right. What we do with it from there is up to us. I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm familiar enough with former players' hair-brained entrepreneurial schemes. I know. I, I mean, I was having to, to come up with my, my own for this. I right? would let like, Hunter Pence's music cat cafe sponsor the podcast or whatever it was like a video game i think it's a video game cafe yeah Yeah. i would let that sponsor the pod i'd let i don't know if any of you follow joey vado on instagram but but he uh he he has a chess club that he goes to so joey vado launched like a chess instruction app right the the queen's gambit with joey vado i would let them sponsor the they can sponsor the pod or ross stripling's stock market investment app Hmm. What do you think? Flying a little too close to the sun? That one is going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> so, yes, A-Rod. <laughs> what? A-Rod already fucking does sponsor the podcast. What do you, his true. voice is in the outro of the pot. So, like, I don't know what you're... Don't, don't get all high and mighty with A-Rod on me now. Um, but what, what I'm not convinced of is that Ross can really give me the ROI that Tipping Pitches oh. listeners deserve. Mm. And so when I see proof of that, when I see proof that fintech turns it around, I'll be okay with that. But now, fintech is in the tank. Mm-hmm. What are you doing now, Ross? What are you buying low now on to pull yourself out of this nosedive that the market is in? Okay, He's buying Sinclair stock. <laughs> <laughs> what if, okay, wait, <laughs> okay. Hang with me here. Uh-huh. What if the richest player in Major League Baseball, I don't know who that is right now, I guess, Max Scherzer, maybe? Like, highest career earnings. Whoever has the most money. What if they bought 
Valley Sports. <laughs> okay, wait. Stay with me here. Mm-hmm. Or what if the MLBPA bought Valley Sports? Is there anything illegal about that? I feel like no. And then they would own the main source of revenue for the owners and they'd have them over a barrel. Right. They're, How much, they're seizing the means of... Of production. Of content production. How much money do you really need to buy a bankrupt company? Like they, it would need to be a shell company because they would never sell right. to the MLB Players Association <laughs> or to like Max Scherzer LLC. But like, I feel like they could pool their money together and get a couple billion and the players could buy back the, the cable rights to Major League Baseball. We just, we figured it out. We just nationalized baseball on the podcast. So, right. So I think they'd need probably close to $9 billion. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That, I mean, that's A Rod can get that. A Rod can get A-Rod that. A Rod could get that. We do know <laughs> no, he can. <laughs> he can't even get two hundred fifty million to make his payments for the Timberwolves. He's not even the money guy there. I know. Nine billion. <laughs> you know, Otani's going to sign a five hundred million dollar contract. That's we're like one ninth of the way there. <laughs> right. Exactly. But sorry, we're one eighteenth of the way there. But once he leaves the Angels, he'll no longer be playing on a Bally Sports network. Right. Will he will he want to do that at that point? Are you reporting that he's leaving the Angels? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Artie owns the team again. And he's going to go sign with the A's? Because of Elon? Because of Elon. Right. Would Otani being a huge muskhead be the most painful baseball player that you could discover that fact about? Like, imagine if he was just like, I love Tesla. Imagine if Shohei Otani was in a commercial for the the Tesla truck. Well, I mean, like, we already kind of got a preview of that, right? Because he was one of the players who, yeah, but he again, banned topic for 2022. He didn't know what that is. Yeah, you're right. He didn't know what that you're is. You're right. You're right. This is like when Killian Mbappe took a photo with Eric Trump or whatever. <laughs> Everyone was like, Killian Mbappe doesn't know who that is. <laughs> you know, I actually don't think he'd be the most disappointing person Hmm. who would it be spencer strider spencer strider would be tough (laughs) you imagine he was like he's actually the woke socialist billionaire exactly no hear me out guys he's the one he's the one yeah he's the prince who was promised uh we're off track we're off track back to harebrained entrepreneurial schemes that we would allow to sponsor the podcast is that all of them right so we've got the a-rods back we've got a joey vado chess app we got need blind to barber. see blind barber. We need to see Ross's financials before moving forward. Right. We're not like MLB. We don't just blindly go into deals. No. I think that's a good start. But we are accepting applications. Yeah. If there are former players listening to this here podcast right now, would Maybe. you allow Derek Jeter to sponsor the pod? Like whatever, whatever his little deal is, his little production company, or, or like when he's still on the Players Tribune, Tribune, would you allow that harebrained entrepreneurial scheme to sponsor the podcast? I mean, they got money to burn. Apparently, my next chapter: tipping pitches. <laughs> how about how about um, if we go to other sports, would you allow Kevin Durant's media venture to sponsor the podcast? Kevin Durant's Oklahoma City Steakhouse. This this episode of Tipping Pitch is brought to you by Steph Curry, the the, the Curry Fours right. by Under Armour. <laughs> <laughs> right. Michael Jordan's Steakhouse. Like, yeah. I do feel like the the basketball, they're just more innovators in basketball. Yeah. You know, baseball players don't think big enough. As you deftly pointed out before we started recording, Steph Curry is out there advocating for nimbyism. Right now, because he cares about his community. <laughs> um, yes or no answer. Would you allow Aubrey Huff's school board candidacy to sponsor the podcast? <laughs> Vote yes on Huff <laughs> for your local school district. <laughs> okay, final question. This final question comes from Stephen. Stephen says that he is involved in his university's debate team. And they, in the format that they compete in, they get 20 minutes to prep for the assigned topic. At a recent tournament, they had a topic phrased as, America's professional sports have sacrificed their competitive traditions for economic vitality. And they were assigned affirmative. So they had to prove that that is true. 
First of all, they could just play 20 minutes from the Tipping Pitches podcast. <laughs> but Steven wants to know how you can make how you can make that argument in an accessible way for people who don't already think about this sort of thing. And I think it's a good question for the for for us, but also, you know, for people who listen to the podcast or who think in like-minded ways about these sorts of things because never has it been more necessary for the average fan to have to explain to the other other average fan why the team is doing what the team is doing, you know? Like Mm -hmm. we we have more conversations about these things, but simultaneously we have more knowledge about these things. And it's being spoken more plainly than it was in previous eras of baseball where it was just like, oh, well, they're, just, they're not very good, but it's tough and it's a shame that the greedy players want more money. So if you were tasked with making a clear-eyed, concise argument that proves that teams don't care about winning as much as they care about making money, where would you start? It is a really good question and one that feels kind of hard to to boil down. You know, I mean, we get so in the weeds here on right. this, and on this that's, podcast. That's one right. of the things that Stephen mentioned was like, how do you do that without getting in the weeds? Right, right. Like, exactly. You can't really say like revenue sharing. You can't use those terms because right. that, then people, you, you've like lost, what is it? The pathos, the emotional element. People just check out right. when you start talking about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love a good graph. I love a good chart. I think you can look at some simple numbers like the valuation of a baseball team versus its payroll versus its ticket prices over the course of whatever you want. You know, like I checked and and the A's payroll has has doubled between 2002 and 2021 and their value grew seven times, right? So clearly there's a lot more money in there that's not going to the field, despite the fact that these teams are financially successful, right? And it feels like somewhat similar to the argument about productivity versus wages in Mm. the US, Mm -hmm. right? And where we really started to see that split in the 70s, where all of a sudden productivity rose and wages stayed the exact same, right? Right. So that like this is this is a starting point. And it's also like very numbers heavy, right? Which I think is the is the hard part and what we've talked about, right? It's like a lot of the economic conditions that take place in Major League Baseball mirror the same dynamics that take place in your workplace or or broadly kind of in the US economic system. Um yeah. I think that framing can be sort of useful because it brings it a little bit closer to home. Yeah. And actually ask the person to do a little self-reflection i guess though the element of his question is that we're not addressing in that by using that is are they doing that are they financially growing their share of the pie at the expense of competitiveness and so how do you prove that teams are not as competitive as they used to be without like a an in-depth study of like winning percentages based on payroll or playoff probability at the beginning of the season, which is like maybe a better indication of how hard you tried in the off season and how competitive you want it to be than what your actual record turns out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I honestly like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like I, there is the element of teams that, don't have a top 10 payroll, almost never win the World Series. And that is an argument that I have employed often on the podcast when talking about someone like the, the team like the Rays, for example, um, or Cleveland or whoever. And I've employed that on Twitter and people get very mad about that idea because they point to examples where like, oh, well, the team got close. And I'm like, well, that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, did they actually win the World Series? Did they have what it took to beat a team that was willing to spend second was place to last life for, forever <laughs> right like the ultimate example is is the dodgers versus the rays world series where mm-hmm. it was like hey man if the rays had a couple more of those dodgers players or a couple more of the players who that the dodgers were willing to spend money on i kind of think that they win that series pretty easily but there's no need to reopen that can of worms i i think that an interesting element of this would be just to quote owners themselves <laughs> 
saying that they don't try to compete anymore and to to cite the notion of tanking or cite the teardown rebuilds of of some of these like the to cite the idea of tearing down your team and prove that it doesn't that the main motivation is not to actually get good at the end of it it's to get cheap at the end of it and if you're good that that's just an added bonus because there's like a whole handful of teams that tried to follow the model that the Astros and Cubs sort of made popular and they're all kind of still spinning their wheels in that rebuild like what's going on with the Tigers right now what's going on with before the Phillies actually started spending money in free agency and hired Dave Dombrowski, what was going on with the Phillies? What's going on with the Pirates? Like, I think that is a pretty compelling argument. What's going on with the Reds? Because, like, you hear directly from the owner saying, we're taking a step back in competitiveness. So that has satisfied the proof that they are giving up competitiveness for something. And then what is that something? Then you show that their payroll went down while their valuation is still increasing like the rest of the league. And that's like a pretty straight line to prove that they just sacrificed a couple of years of competitiveness because they didn't want to spend the money to remain competitive. And so I feel like that is maybe where like your best argument lies in pointing to some of these teams that claim perpetual rebuilds are necessary. And the A's are among those teams. The Pirates are among those teams. Now you have teams like the Reds. And in doing that, you don't need to you don't need to talk necessarily about luxury tax or revenue sharing or league-wide revenue, really, because it's basically coming straight from the horse's mouth. Right. I think you can look at the fact that this offseason, notwithstanding, player salaries have flattened in the last few years. Yeah, or they went backwards. Right, or or gone backwards, right, which which flies in the face of how baseball is generally operated over the course of its lifetime, right, which is that the more money you bring in and the bigger your market is, the more money you can invest in that baseball team, right? And over the last two decades, that has really changed, right? All of a sudden, when the success of your team was decoupled from the money you bring in kind of back in the 70s and 80s with the rise of money in baseball on TV, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it didn't become profitable to primarily win. It it brings you some money, but you still make money without it, right? And so you saw owners not being interested in necessarily reinvesting that money. Some teams do, right? But a, a good share of the league pockets that money which if you're interested in winning like you wouldn't do right? right like if i was an owner and i made more money than i expected to this year i want to spend that on next year's baseball team to make an even better team right and that just i mean that doesn't happen yeah i mean the easiest way would be to have the numbers for each individual <laughs> team like to have the the revenue for individual teams and show the disparity between how much they make how much they spend on payroll and how good the team is like those three factors could pretty easily make this argument for you i mean road trip to baltimore john and angelos has an open invite for anyone who wants to see the financials i mean didn't that deadline pass already i feel like you like uh maybe we could do that as part of our seeing the, the mets for 162 games when they played the orioles we could just go yeah. down to to big Big J.A., Big John Angelos's <laughs> office and just get the deets there. Uh-huh. All right. Um, I think that does it for this week's episode of Tipping Pitches. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to everybody who is signing up, continuing to sign up for the Patreon. Uh, you know, to the folks who have had to drop off of the Patreon, I would just like to say that we understand, you know, and we appreciate your support no matter how long you're able to stick around for. Um as a reminder, there are three tiers of that Patreon, $5, $7, and $12. They get you various things. Um, anything else? You know, I think the last thing that I'll say on all of this, mm-hmm. on everything that we've talked about on this podcast, mm-hmm. is that 
John Henry went to the the Red Sox Fan Fest this past week and said ticket prices are high because payroll has to be high. Ticket prices drive player payroll. Mm. And the chorus of boos he received from the crowd could be interpreted as raising the question, why is Mookie Betts not on the Red Sox now? <laughs> and that's kind of it. Man, I feel bad for our guy, John Henry. Yeah. It just, he just means so well, you know, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. You know, it couldn't happen to a guy who's more dedicated to the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. He definitely doesn't have his attention drawn anywhere else mm-hmm. in the sports mm-hmm. world or otherwise right now. And so I just, my heart goes out to John, who I know loves to listen to the podcast. Right. So, John, if you're listening, you can come on here and, and we can talk about ticket prices and, and payroll. And you can maybe give us some of the financial information for the Red Sox ahead yeah. of time so that we can come into it with an open heart and an open mind and all of the context that you're you're coming to this discussion with. As, as one John exits the picture, sayonara, JJF, another one enters. <laughs> okay, thanks everybody. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!